For today's episode, I'm on the bus with Stacy Mills, who's the executive director of the Ream Commission. Stacy, so glad that you're here with me today. Thanks for riding on the bus. Thank you, Erin. This is so important to our community, and I'm very grateful to have this opportunity to be with you today. Well, I, my first question for you is, when was the last time you were on the bus? Literally, uh, February the 14th. Um, okay, why does that stand out? Well, it's Valentine's Day, I'm sure, but why else does that stand out to you? It, it stands out because my wife and I rode the bus um, as part of a Connecting to Community Day. Um, it was a, a free um, ride day for uh, ridership, and we were giving out umbrellas and gloves and hats and uh, Valentine's Day cards. And Somebody told me I was a cheap date that day, but that was a really good moment for us. We connected, plus um, we were engaged 26 years ago on Valentine's Day last oh, year. Oh, so. well, that does make it. That is, and I hope you also took your wife to something else that evening as well. As soon as we got <laughs> off the bus, we went for for dinner at Hall's, and uh, I think she was okay. Okay, well, good. Well, I'm glad your marriage is in good, good fillies. Yes. Well, one of the things... I wanted to talk to you about today is exactly so the Ream Commission uh, for our listeners it stands for Racial Equity and Economic Mobility correct right. and uh, if you'll give me kind of the history for those who may not be aware of what you guys are working on so kind of the the study and and what came out of that yeah so uh, three very um, notable organizations in our community the Chamber of Commerce the Urban League of the Upstate and the United Way um, after George Floyd's death. Um, came together to address policy issues in our community that affect uh, the quality of life for for black citizens in this community. Could Greenville have been the city where this happened? Um, and so commissioners from all walks of life in, in our community, from um, higher ed, Furman University's president, from Michelin North America, from the mayor, from city or county council's chairman to the superintendent of schools, 30-plus leaders sat together. I like to say we were sequestered at the Greenville uh, Convention Center uh, to look at policies from education to health and wellness to uh, criminal justice to um, income and wealth and community-wide learning. Um, What are those policies that impact the quality of life for citizens in Greenville, South Carolina? And so we did that for about two and a half years, which was amazing. Everybody was committed, in addition to their day jobs, Mm. to think about community in ways that we perhaps had not thought about community before. And uh, then this past May, I was asked to step into this role as executive director and take the uh, community report, which had recommendations from each of those five subcommittees, um, as to practical ways to actually achieve the goals of REAM. So that's what we're working on now. And uh, Monday night, the 24th of uh, October, this coming Monday at 6 p.m., we're going to be at Phyllis Wheatley, um, rep- I'm sorry, Phyllis Wheatley Community Center uh, having a town hall meeting discussing education, discussing um, the uh, policies around education, um, especially public education, and how students are faring in the community. So that's the first one. And then we're going to do four more to address all the other five areas. Yep. That's fascinating. What is the? Tell me about some of the data that you guys uncovered that really motivated the work that you're doing, because I understand that was part of this, too, was that once everyone paused and looked at it, then it, it really was jarring. Yeah, to think about um, one piece of data or, or one fact, that really pains me is 78% of black students in public schools in Greenville live in poverty. It's, it, 
a, a child born in poverty in Greenville is in the 94th percentile of the likelihood of actually making it out of poverty in Greenville. Um, 80% of the wealth of families income in, in Greenville, um, that 20% of the wealth of whites is the wealth of blacks. In okay. So those are the staggering So wait, facts. so for black families, it's one-fifth as wealthy as white families in Greenville County. Now approaching oh, wow. And ownership runs the same. Mm-hmm. About 80% of the homeowners in this community are, are white and 20%, 20 to 32% are, are black. Probably depending this on the area. Probably in well, go in, when you talk about economic mobility, which is there in Ream, yes. and you just mentioned that for a child born in poverty, they have, it, so with that statistic, is it, is it that there's a 6% chance that they will make it out of poverty? Is that kind of the way it's exactly you get right. interpreted? It's exactly 6% or less. And I think, you know, being on the bus today kind of shows, you know, the necessity of this thread that connects our community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for somebody, a family that lives on one side of town to be able to get to the other side of town, we're stopping currently on Whitehorse Road in front of Walmart. And, you know, there was a member of our church who's on this this bus and, you know, he greeted me this morning. I asked him where he's going. He's going to Walmart to pick up a prescription. So it's it's really health. It's not just, um, you know, the convenience of being able to ride wherever you want to go. For some people, you have to. Right. You don't have another way to get there to do the stuff you need to do, whether it's, you know, getting your groceries, getting your prescriptions, making it to work. And I think, I think that's, I mean, I'd love to talk a little bit about that, too, about that. When we talk about economic mobility... The actual physical mobility that's needed within our community for individuals to go from home to work and back, um, whether it's at their appropriate shift time, if they're doing shift work, if they're able to get home, maybe to pick up the kids after school. I mean, whatever it is that their family lives require, how do you see that intersecting with the work that you're doing and, and the work at Greenville Connects, where we're trying to get more resources for transit? It's all the things that you just named. Um, you know, I think that you know, even for my own family, you know, I have a kid who, who plays football at, at Greenville High who's not yet in the um, driving category yet. So between his mom and I, we have to figure that out um, when work is done. So for a family that doesn't have transportation to figure out, does a, does a child get to participate in after school or co-curricular? Um, it, it really, quality of life is the overarching theme here. Um, both from an economic mobility perspective and just being able to enjoy the amenities of your community. Um, and there are, and, and you know, Aaron, the thing that I really um, focus in on is the difference between surviving and thriving. And a lot of people are surviving, and they're trying to do that the best way they know how. So if it is a, um, a first-shift job that's, you know, making uh, minimum wage, and then a, a second shift job on top of that to have a livable wage, which yep. is very different. This is um, these are the these are the things circle. that have to be addressed through the work of, of Reem and other organizations in our community. And so we're we're doing currently some network mapping to to think about who all is in this space, doing the work to mm-hmm. address where people are living and how they're being able to enjoy um, what life they have in in this community. So. Getting to work is part of it. Um, if you're on a job and you've got a kid who's sick that needs to see a physician, 
um, and or if that child is sick at school and has to be picked up from school. All of these are layers on the experiences of the residents that live in our community. Yeah, I worked um, in a a previous position where we had a program for teen moms. And I remember working with this one mom and she was complaining. She was doing poorly in school. And I was kind of, you know, doing that whole, you know, well, tell me a little bit about what's going on, what, what problems do we need to tackle, because she's really bright. And she was like, I'm just really tired, and I just miss, I sometimes miss first period, because I get there late. And I'm like, no, come on. And I did that whole adult shaming of, you got to get up, you got to do this thing. And she just looked at me, and I just, and then she told me what, I said, well, what is, I said, I'm missing something. I said, what is your morning like? And she said, well, I have to take my daughter to daycare before school. And so I have to get up at 4.30. She's not sleeping in getting up at 4.30 to get the bus, to take your kid to daycare, to then get back to school and get there in time. And then and that trip to daycare and back took two hours. And then after school, she had to repeat it the other way. And so for her, and then she had to parent, um, and she just said, you know, I'm trying to work and I'm trying to do all this stuff, but there are too many things I'm trying to do. And and you just think about all the various, various ways that everyone lives. Our lives are also different, that for her transportation was such a critical it sucked up so much time in her day that she didn't have time to do you know studying or working or some of the other things that at you know that she also needed to do to be successful you know in fairness to you your your perspective when engaging that conversation um, is from the lens of the experiences that you've had so your thought is you know, oh, and I, I owned it. Do? It was one of those right. moments of like, well, now, come on now. We solve these problems when they come up. And I wasn't thinking, oh, wait, I have a, I have way, you have d- way different barriers to success than I do. Let's, so just shifting it to, well, what is your morning like? I learned a whole lot more from her than I did when I was Golden coming question. from a, well, I'm a parent and I get that stuff done. You got to step up. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the golden moment also, not just the question. It's the it's the proximity. It's mm-hmm. getting close to um, not just the person, but what their life is like, what their situation is like, because we see each other really one-dimensionally. It's not until we get into conversation and really learn what the day is like or what the morning is like to help us get a better understanding of what that person might be experiencing. And I think that that's the goal of, of Reem in a in a big way is to help our community in a large way become conscious of what others are living through and what the day is like behind those closed doors in order for them to be able to, to participate in this wonderful um, quality of life that Greenville boasts about on so many other levels um, and, and making that believable and bringing it within reach for the majority of our population. But I think that bringing it into reach, I mean, that what a what a great thing that would be if everybody could access all the wonderful things that we're so proud of here in Greenville that, you know, it's, it's touted in all the headlines and is, it's, you know, we're always somebody's best place to do something, at least lately. It's in the news all the time, but, but I'm not sure all those best things are accessible to everyone. Not, not right now. I think you're exactly right. Um, and when we think about um, how our community is growing geographically, how we're spread out anymore, um, with folks living out on the edges of our, our city anymore into the county, do we really get to have access? And, and the work that you're doing at Greenville Connects really is helping to address that. I think ridership, increasing uh, the um, the hours of the bus um, to that routes are available for people who are getting off of second or third shift really does make a difference. And as far as economic mobility is concerned, 
um, a person being able to, to work a job that um, provides a, um, a, a living income for their household is critical. And uh, that's the difference between being able to keep a roof over your head and food on the table um, than you being out um, in a nefarious kind of way. Well, so. and that's even, I mean, that's the not surviving, surviving and thriving. Mean, you're just even talking about the basic, let's just be okay, right? It's just even that. Well, when you think of, I was looking over um, your, the re- report to the community and the five areas, and when you talk about I- income and re- wealth, there's those specific recommendations around that. Um, are there any, I'll just, for our listeners' benefit, I will read them, a few of them, so they'll kind of know what, what sort of things are there. Um, but one, the first one is providing a long-term commitment to black-owned businesses and strengthening that ecosystem so that there can be success and all there are lots of different doors, you know, being able to walk in and access to capital and stuff like that. Um, you talked about living livable wage. That's going to be the second one, recognizing that the systems are, are there that maybe are maintaining um, some historical disparities there and, and un- deconstructing those, I guess, and, and building it back in a, in a more positive way. Um, you talk about the race-based pay gap uh, through an increase in talent recruitment, retention, and development. Uh, and then ensuring action, collective actions towards toward housing stability and home ownership. Um, one of the reasons I, I want to pause for a minute and talk some about that affordable housing and home ownership and kind of how that impacts. When you look at, when we look at the demographics for the city of Greenville and Greenville County and the shifts over the last 20 or 30 years, um, there's been a there has been a significant shift among those demographics where there many black residents have moved out into the county for affordability reasons. Um, in in your work, is there anything specific that that you guys are looking at in that realm to be able to help tackle some of that? No, we have partners. Again, I mentioned network mapping and and also systems mapping um, are are a part of that work that we're doing now. Um, but really kind of getting a grasp of what's happening in our community. Why are these shifts happening and, and to whom are they happening? Um, our partnerships around housing and in particular, the Greenville Housing Fund is doing a terrific job of trying to address that. But of course, that means building out. That, that means, you know, from plan or, or from acquisition of vacant property to actual planning and um, designing and building um, it's, it's more time required than we have on our hands to actually locate people and get them into these places. So those are natural barriers that we're having to deal with and, and focus on. But um, it's not a, um, a, a no-win no situation. We have an opportunity here to, to bring players to the table, the city of Greenville, the county of Greenville, these entities um, like Greenville Housing Fund and uh, other lending institutions. Community Works comes to mind, Self-Help Credit Union. And not, not all of these are going to be ownership situations. These are going to be um, lease opportunities as well. Um, what are the different um, available uh, pieces of, of this? What, what are the, the varying housing types that we can offer in this community? It can't all be one size fits all for our community. So it's really a, an education process and a learning process, not just for uh, ring, but for people who are the end users. And, and one of the things that I like to talk about is the fact that we had those 30 plus commissioners in the room. I consider that grass tops. That's where decisions are being made. That's where the power structure is. But the folks about whom the data applies 
or to whom it applies are the grassroots. And those are the folks that aren't necessarily in the room. They're working those swing shifts, and so they don't know that conversation is being held or how to access um, this information. So we want to, or how to correct that information, or how because to the assumptions being made. I don't know. I mean, just going back to the story I told you, right? I made right. the wrong dis- assumptions, but I bet that's part of. I know you're aware of that too. That's absolutely. part of the adjustments that there. Yeah, thank you for that. But yeah, it absolutely is a part of this, and is really, really dialogue. It's it's mm-hmm. being able to talk to each other in a way that we understand, and, and mutually we benefit from that. I want to go to um, you mentioned. Uh, businesses and uh, the opportunity for uh, business support. Um, you know, there are some incubators that are emerging. The Chamber of Commerce does a wonderful job with the Minority Business Accelerator, um, but they can't do it alone. We have to be very intentional about businesses that remain in our community. Um, we did a um, discussion. We, we had a workshop with um, young black business owners um, and they identified as you know people who, who do business here but aren't finding themselves included in the fabric of the society, um, the community. So for entertainment or for living, they're going to Charlotte or they're going to Atlanta. They're finding you know, themselves, they're seeing themselves. And I learned a term called representative retail out of those discussions um, because we may think that the basics are all we need, but we're not a monolith in the community, so we have to be able to expand and think about what does attract. You know, does Main is Main Tr- Street the only attraction that we have in our, our city? And it's not. So we have to be able to use the resources that are, are at within reach um, to incubate some of these businesses, but also include the people who are running the businesses as part of our um, thought power. Um, mm-hmm. Because... They are leaders in, in their areas. They're, they're going to school here. We've got wonderful um, higher ed institutions in this community. But why would we drain our talent and send our best off somewhere and they don't get to have access to all of the, the uh, amenities that we have in our community? Yeah, so inviting them in and making sure they're there, I think, is... is at the table to make the, the discussion. Well, and just even accessing the information available. Right. The assumption is that everybody knows what everybody's doing and we don't. No, and we have no idea. We easily get into these silos and are not getting, you know, to no, to the successes that we really could get. I mean, and we do have successes. Obviously, we have lots of successes in our community to point to, but it would be far more rewarding if the the lady like you said who owned the business had been able to access this earlier in life or how do we how do we make that open to all? And, and one of the five areas for us is community wide learning. Um, and what does that mean? How does that how is that structured? What are the tools that we use to get information into the hands of, of people? Well, I know what I listen to, but I'm not so sure that I can be the expert on what other people are listening to. You know, so in my house hold there are very there are differences. I mean, the AirPods are delivering you know different levels of information to the different members of my household mm-hmm. um, and it's by choice so I have to ask you know when the airpods are not in you know what are you listening to what are you thinking about um, and so whether that's in barber shops or in churches or in daycares at grocery stores where are the common places that we meet up and how then do we create those inroads into the larger bodies of knowledge that others are benefiting from in our community. So, 
Rima's right in the center of that, figuring that out. And I get to wake up in the morning with my colleague, Tanisha Elder-Kirk, and uh, go in the office and think about how to get out here and be on a bus this morning and engage with our community to say, hey, you know, there are opportunities that can help us change and improve the experience that you're having without us making assumptions about who you are. Right. And just making sure everybody's invited in. Everybody can be part of the good things that are Greenville. Hopefully they'll start, you know, we can, if we have some more transit resources that we'll be able to get more people going more places more often. And uh, we can remove some of those barriers for them too. Today, the, you know, the leaves are changing. That's something that I enjoy. And, uh, you know, the routes that carry us different places in our community, um, it'd be nice that somebody's on the bus being able to enjoy life. Um, to look at what's happening in our community, whether it's along the Poinsett Highway, Rutherford Road, and able to enjoy some of what this community does afford us in terms of the beauty, the natural landscape, and not on the bus because I'm in a hurry. I've got to get somewhere. I've got to go to Walmart to pick up my prescription or my child is sick and I'm just clocked out at work to go pick them up from school and try to get them in to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some great things happening, some wonderful organizations in our community to help. Um, but we've got to help people feel good about themselves and feel good about where they live. Well, that's great. I'm so glad that you're in the position you're in, Stacey. It's been so great to talk to you. And you've got such knowledge and enthusiasm and just kind of love that emanates from you for everybody. So I'm, I'm sure that the community's blessed to have you in your position. Well, thank you so much. This community has been very gracious to me and to my family. We've lived here 25 years and we've raised our children here. My wife works in public education, so we've had an opportunity to see from several lenses and um, pastoring Mountain View Baptist Church for the last 25 years and watching the neighborhood change. We're just adjacent to Unity Park and Swamp Rabbit Trail runs right behind us and you know, we've watched that neighborhood literally changed over the two and a half decades that we've been here. And lots of domestics, um, you know, from the neighborhood and attend our church. And I'd like to, to talk about the, the church in a way that um, the community built the church in the 1920s. It was founded in 1908. So it's been here 114 years. And um, the building itself was built in the 1920s. Our archives show pictures of community members, their children, carrying five-gallon buckets, what I assume is water for the mortar for the buildings on the scaffolding. And, you know, 400 to 500 families lived in the neighborhood. Now, mind you, and for your listeners to think about, not four to 500 rooftops, but four to 500 families sharing um, duplexes, quadruplexes, triplexes. Mm -hmm. Yeah but sharing community and having a common goal. Now less than six families live in that neighborhood. So we have a wonderful opportunity to build back a community, to um, take it from desolation to um, vibrancy. And we're excited about that. So we're walking through the processes, having the discussions, learning the things um, that what stabilizes a community. I've traveled the country and I've learned um, repeatedly that churches, schools, businesses and homes are what stabilize communities and we've got um, two of the three in or the four in the in the community now so attracting businesses building homes that people want to live in and 
will see themselves as a larger community again or a part of a larger community is something that excites me every day when I think about that and uh, this work of Ring marries so nicely with that vision and man I'm, I'm awfully um, blessed and, and thankful to be able to have this opportunity to live and work in this community well we're, we're blessed and lucky to have you as well same, same. Good to have you. Well, I'm happy to be here. This is a, It's so fun to talk about buses and get to ride with people like you to uh, talk, have deep conversations about now who we are and where we're going, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I liked uh, getting on this bus this morning, um, people know each other. People are speaking to each other. Oh. People, I um, felt like we were at a cocktail party right? when we first got on. It was, everybody was laughing and talking. Everybody was, it was fun. This is Wake Horse Road and Commons Way. You know, everybody's headed someplace um, today and uh, trying to get something accomplished. And like you and I, our jobs are different, but we're trying to get something accomplished. And I think that's what the common thread is. We're all on a journey and um, being on this journey together, which is something that I'm asking our community to be on a journey with Reem, to think about where we're headed and just give us one more ride together. Um, we've we've seen this work. We've had these conversations before, um, but I think that we have an opportunity to do it a little bit differently. And as we build it up, we can yeah take the things that we've learned from all that your both your experience and the Reem stuff, and make sure that it um all it, it's just better next time. That sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, for being on the bus with me today. I really do appreciate it. Wow, thank you for the invitation. I'm getting to see parts of our community that has changed since the last time I was riding. I haven't been on this route before, so this is neat to be able to see the community. It's it's hustling and bustling this morning. It is, isn't it? There's so much going on. Bussin', the Greenville Transit Podcast, has been brought to you by Greenville Connects, and it's produced by the Greenville Podcast Company. Please make sure to check us out and give us five stars so everybody can find us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.